the Lord. He is your father. <laughs> I had to <laughs> I had to drop in a little Star Wars thing to start this thing today. Uh, welcome to the Bread and Wine Podcast. My name is Seth, and we have a special guest today alongside of me and Carl, whose name is Justin. What's up, guys? What's up? And he's been on our podcast before to talk about kingdom business because he's a man of kingdom business. But today we have another special topic called fatherhood. And this is going to cover, we don't, we're not even sure what this is going to cover because fatherhood is such a gigantic topic in the scriptures. This could apply to parenting. This could apply to uh, spiritual sons and daughters, physical sons and daughters, being a father of your family and taking care of your family spiritually. Uh, so we're not sure where this is going today, but Justin, I will say, and Carl can also testify, Justin is certainly a spiritual father to much of the work happening here. Amen. And he's an excellent physical father to his children, and uh, just in so many different ways, um, he spews the father's love towards so many people. So we're excited to have him here today, and I'll go ahead and welcome him in. How are you, brother? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for the words of encouragement. You guys are awesome. Amen. So, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Excited to be with you guys. So tell everybody, how long have you been a father and what has it been like? How, how many kids do you have? Maybe open up, just create a picture for us. Well, in the physical sense, my uh, my oldest son is about to turn 22. And uh, uh, I actually think my fatherhood started even before then because something that really changed for me um you know, God is so good to talk to us in very unique ways based upon um, how we respond to stuff. And I'll never forget when my wife was expecting my first son and we went to a movie and it was this emotional situation where uh, a father's going off to war and his, his wife is pregnant. And like for the first time, it hit me different than it ever had in my whole life. And that was the beginning of the Lord using fatherhood as a way to really communicate with me about his heart towards us and how it worked. And, uh, and so it's been a journey ever since then. So now it's been close to 23 years that the Lord and I have been on this journey about using fatherhood and parenting and, and how that works to, to relate to us as his children. So good stuff. Amen. And what I like about today is we have three different stages of fatherhood represented here. So Carl has yet to step into fatherhood. He's That's something he's excited for, uh, to step into being a husband. Um, I've been a husband for three years on, yeah, on Tuesday. I'll be, I've been a husband for three years. Way to go. And I'll be a father of a nine and a few day month old. So I'm just beginning my fatherhood journey. And Justin, you've been a father for over 20 years. So you're going to hear uh, different perspectives today. And I also want to say, if, if you're a woman listening to this or a mother, this is for you as well. Do, please do not skip this podcast uh, because we're talking about fatherhood because this is going to be so uh, relatable to you as well. And Justin had some thoughts on that too that I know were really important to him. Uh, for all the women out there that maybe you've mm -hmm. had uh, bad experiences with fathers, uh, and you're going to get to hear a heart of a father today. I, th I think it's going to bring some healing to you uh, and give you new perspectives to help you go deeper into who God is and relating to him in that way. Yeah, man. Really, really powerful stuff there. Um, you know, the the Lord, when he, like when we meet Jesus, 
Jesus demonstrates his relationship to the Father as a father-son relationship. And and I just like to start this off by just saying, I feel like that is why there is such an attack today on fatherhood, um, on the, the, the family, on male figures, um, that we're trying to like d- diminish that. And uh, what, that's, what that's creating is a lot of brokenness around an understanding of who a father is or the father's role and how powerful a father can wow. be. Because the Lord chose to communicate and, and, and relate to us as a father. And if the enemy can destroy that, he can make it really, really difficult for us as believers to be able to relate to the father. And so I just feel like the Lord is wanting to, to begin to restore fathers uh, physically, but also spiritually to help people with that relationship aspect. And so, um, and that's where I think a lot of, even the ladies can participate in listening to this conversation because there's some good stuff there that the Lord wants to share. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the things that, that I've really admired about um, your walk, man, is how I've seen God use you in that way to restore relationships, even with women. Um, you really have a father's heart towards people in our community. And I've seen a ton of growth and transformation because that's something that's being restored, even in women's life. We all need a father, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about that. What does it mean that God is our Father? And what types of qualities, Justin, have you seen God operate as Father in your life that you've adopted and begin fathering people in the way that He's fathered you? Yeah. Well, the, you know, I just speaking in kind of general terms, what the Lord has showed me about fathers is um, some of us have got, because of broken relationships or because of our relationships with our fathers, um, it has really shaped the way that we think of what a father should be. Um, in fact, a lot of us, if we had fathers that were involved in our lives, but they were very demanding, we kind of grow up with this performance mentality. And we think that the way I please my father is by accomplishing things, by, by being successful or by making sure that my room is clean and my car is taken care of and I got my job and I went to college and I achieved my grades and it's achievement, right? Because our, our fathers raised us with the performance mentality. Um, and then there are fathers that have been absent completely. And, and so uh, we don't even know how to connect with a father or have a relationship or have a conversation because dad was too busy for me, right? And so in, in, the, in that case, it begins to relate to us where um, God probably is way busier than my earthly father was and he definitely doesn't have time for my prayers, doesn't have time to listen to my concerns. The simple stuff going on in my life is like small potatoes compared to all the things that he has to take care of and he's too busy because my dad was too busy. And so we tend to relate that way But what we need to understand is God's heart, the heart of a father, is to be a champion for his children. His desire is to bring out the the best and the the, the gold that is within them, to get behind them, to empower them, to encourage them in their unique gifts, their unique skill sets, um, to accomplish the stuff that, that is a part of who they are. And, and what, what Father God is looking for and what a genuine father with God's heart is looking for is, I don't need to control you and you don't need to perform to my standard, but invite me on your journey with you. Let's stay in relationship, right? So that as you're going through these challenges in life, I can be there just as a guide and I'm like your biggest champion. I want to see you succeed. I want to see you accomplish. I want to see you living 
your purpose, which can be even driven a little bit by what your desire is in your heart. But I want to get behind that and I want to give you wisdom and guidance and insight that you can use to accomplish that. I want to be your biggest fan and your biggest champion. And that's the real heart of a father at a high level is how to get behind their children and champion them on and, and it not become performance driven or absent mindedness or abusiveness. Um, and so all these these bad behaviors we see can affect that negatively. But but a good father's champion in his children. And, and so we can explore that a little more. Yeah, well, me and Carl have actually been uh, discipling someone together who has struggled with her relationship with God the Father for that very reason. Her father was not in her life uh, very much, abusive, uh, kind of just, you know, not, not a good guy. And so for that reason, really for much of her life, she has been performing for God, trying to gain his approval, yeah. trying to to gain his appeasement so that uh, she can feel some sort of validation. And I've seen this in a lot of people's lives that that I've discipled, is this idea that I have to uh, work hard to make God love me. Mm -hmm. And that is so not true. If we look at the, the prodigal son, what happens? The prodigal son runs off, blows his father's money, and he comes back. He says, at least my father will make me a servant. But he comes back. And the father runs up to him with arms open wide, you know, kills a fattened calf, throws a robe on him, throws a signet ring on him. He's like, come, my son, you were lost, but now you're found. And the father is doing the same thing to all of us, yeah. saying, come home, come home. My arms are open. You don't have to be a slave now. You don't have to be a servant now. You can be my son. You can be my daughter but you have to receive that identity that I want to put yeah. on you. <laughs> yeah, so good, man. Like it's it's the relationship, right? That's the piece. That's what the, the key for being a son is. Slaves just do the father's bidding or slaves just do the master's bidding, but we're no longer slaves, right? Now we're, at, we're, we're his children and it's about this relationship. Like when, when we all know John three sixteen that God loved the world so much he sent his only son that those who believe in him cannot perish but have everlasting life. But then Jesus says in the priestly prayer of John seventeen three, and this is everlasting life that they might know you. The, the idea that we could know God and have relationship with him. And, and, and so what God is inviting us into as sons and daughters is into just knowing who he is and that relationship. The greatest value I have as a father is not whether my kids do it right or do it wrong, but whether they let me join them on the journey. Mm. Whether they're going to trust for me to be involved in it, right? That they trust I am shepherding their heart and that I get to be with them. And so it's a, it's really about that relationship and and just like spending the time together in in a, in a way that is just trying to empower them to to be successful. So that's God's heart, and I love it. And that's what I see with the prodigal son, right? When he's coming back, the father's joy is now I can have my relationship back with my son. Mm. You know, it wasn't about the mistakes his son made or the successes or the good decision that his son made to come back. It was just the joy that now we get to be together, and that's that's what the heart of a father is. Mm. Whew. Yeah, man, that's, that's really powerful. Um, and, and like, all of your kids are so different. 
um, two, which is really interesting. Like, I don't feel like any two are the same. And I guess I'm just interested in knowing, like, how did you cultivate that kind of a relationship where they have that understanding um, where they know that you're going to champion them, like, in in whatever they want to do. And, and, yeah, what did that look like, I guess, cultivating that kind of a relationship with them? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's unique to our personalities, right? Like, different personalities tend to respond to other personalities and... And, and so there is something to be said about the way that we respond to other people or the way that we respond to our fathers um, can impact that relationship. I think that, that some of my children are more apt to slow down, take time to just be around me. And, and we tend to develop a little more of an intimate relationship. Others are very are a little more driven by performance or success and trying to be successful in who they are. And they'll ask me for practical advice about the things they're trying to accomplish, but it's like they're trying to check off lists or get things done in their life. And, and I'm there for them, and I'm championing them and encouraging them and, and uh, still, still supporting them, still you know, behind them 100%. But a lot of it comes back to, interestingly, what they want out of the relationship with their father, right? And and whether they want a deeper level of intimacy or whether they want it to be more transactional. And this is what's so beautiful about the heart of a father is his, his heart is for his children and what they want and what they desire and what they want to accomplish, right? And so, um, you know, getting behind that. And I mean, obviously, if our children are wanting to do stuff that's destructive, we want to try and discourage that. But but our heart is to really get behind our children and, and um, where they're at and what they're accomplishing. So it's different relationships are going to vary mm-hmm. based on what you bring to it. Well, you really can have, I always like to tell people, like the Lord is an infinite God and he can't be contained. So you can have as much of God as you want today and there's an infinite amount to get tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like you're never going to run out of more. Wow. Right. So, how deep do you want to go with God? Hmm. Wow. That that leads me to kind of a another topic about fatherhood, and this is something that's been very passionate on my heart lately because it's kind of in my face now, and that's the topic of leading your family spiritually. And you've certainly done that very well. But I think in the body of Christ, there is a lack of fathers leading their family spiritually. Even in church growing up, I noticed it was a lot, most of the time, it was the mothers trying to pull the fathers to church. Like, come on, please come on. Or like, come on, let's read the Bible tonight. Come on, let's pray tonight. And the fathers are like, ugh, that wasn't my experience growing up. And I praise God for that. But that's something I noticed growing up. So uh, I think the lack of responsibility in the family uh, that we have in the body of Christ for fathers saying, okay, I'm going to teach my kids to pray. Okay, we're going to sit down together as a family. We're going to read the Bible together. We're going to talk about Christ. We're going to pursue Jesus together as a family. Uh, what what has that practically looked like for you to lead your family in that way? And this doesn't just apply to fathers, by the way. This also applies to mothers. But what does that look like for you practically for your family in leading them spiritually and into a relationship with Jesus? Yeah, well, let me first speak to the fathers on that um, and, and to the mothers in that situation. 
And I want to just remind people that the enemy's title is the accuser of the brethren. Um, the, the enemy's number one job is to tell you that you're not doing it good enough mm. or to tell you that, that your husband isn't sufficient or your husband's not doing what he should be doing. And, and the enemy is looking for us to make agreement with him so that we can begin this destructive process. And so the reality is this. Whoa. I don't care how good you are at shepherding your family and following the Lord, you can always be better. So instead of looking at your failings and the mistakes that you've made, just start looking at how I can, how I can do a better job than what I'm doing. And so start with that. Then the, then the second thing I want to encourage fathers is, um, and, and, and even mothers who are trying to encourage their husbands, is do not let it turn into um, really strict religious regimen. Because what we will teach our children, um, even if it's a subconscious thing, our children are going to pick up that my relationship with God is about the things that I do. It becomes performance-driven. Like, I need to spend X hours a day in prayer and reading my Bible, or I can't gain God's approval, or I'm not holy enough, or I'm not good enough. Um, and, and, I mean, I can tell you, I know number of relationships and marriages that have been completely destroyed by husbands who have been so confident in their degrees in theology and what the scriptures say that they can tell you exactly what we're supposed to do according to the Bible, but they're missing out on the heart of God behind it. And it can, it can destroy entire families. Um, so like, don't let it turn into this religious regimen if it's about relationship. Nobody wants to go hang out with your friend because it's an obligation and you have to. Once it becomes an obligation and it's a chore, then we lose the desire. Whoa. Right? There's no desire to hang out with somebody. You have to. Wow. So we have to get to a place when we're shepherding our children is recognizing that we have this privilege of getting to know the creator of the universe, have deep relationship with him, the source of all wisdom and all knowledge. And... And the ultimate champion in our life, like Psalms 37, 4, like delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, right? I think that that is a, a double-sided knife in a good way, meaning that, that in one hand, that God, as we delight in him, that our Father is looking to let the desires in our heart become reality. So our desires to shepherd our children become reality. But then as we pursue him, not only do those desires become reality because he's given them to us, but our own desires begin to change to look like his so that the very desires in our heart are similar to his desires. And so it's like a twofold thing, right? Um, and so it's not about the performance or the check boxes or what we did. I'm, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't have rhythms. I think rhythms are good. Right. Regular prayer rhythms and reading rhythms and, and, and different things like that um, are really critical. But, um, but don't let it turn into a really legalistic thing. And so I think one of the biggest struggles as a pastor, worship leader, church planner for all these years has been when my children don't want to be a part of or don't want to attend a worship service or a Sunday gathering or a Bible study night, how do I respond to that? And what I would say is that a lot of Christian parents would be like, I don't care. You don't have a choice. You're going. Right? And 
we sort of had the approach that there were a few times where it was like honoring to somebody else. It was a friend or a speaker or whatever. But for the most part, when my children got to a certain age and they didn't want to come on Sunday, I wasn't forcing them. I wasn't forcing them because the word says train up a child in the way that they should go. When they're older, they won't depart from it. And I've raised them and I've taught them. And now they're at a place where they've got to discover, do they want this? Right. With the Lord. Their faith has to become their own. Yeah. And my desire has to be, I'm more interested in maintaining the relationship and the connection with them, mm-hmm. regardless of what they fall into, rather than being really dogmatic and, and like fundamental in, no, you've got to be at church every Sunday because that's just what you do. Right. Wow. And so I've even had people ask me like, man, why aren't your kids more involved in church? And I'm not going to make my kids become the leaders. Right. You know, yeah. uh, I, I'm not going to force my kids to go become. I mean, one of the greatest things that I loved happening, thank you to Mr. Seth here in, in our group, is I never pushed my children to become a part of, we never really had youth groups. We were always doing like house church stuff. So when Rooted started, man, I would love for my kids to be involved in that, but they never were. And then just by giving them the freedom and not making it religious, they just started coming and figuring that out on their own, yeah. right? And it's become their thing. And so now it's their thing. They're not doing it because daddy made them. Right. Woo. So shepherding your children, it's like, it's this really, really crazy thing where you can't force your kids to do stuff because you generate this performance mentality or that God's looking for us to perform. Um, and so the best way to do it is be real in who you are. Like, yeah. be real in who you are. If prayer is legit, like, be real in prayer. If reading your word's legit, be real in reading your word. Yeah. If serving other people's real, then then be real. If, you know, for us, like, giving to the kingdom and missions is a big, big deal. So they see the decisions that we make in our life to, like, make sacrifices to do that. And they see that that's daddy's choice. And it's important to me. Right? And, and so they can build their convictions based upon the example that they've seen. So setting the example by being genuine in our living is way more important mm. than setting up regimen and forcing your kids to follow it. Yeah. That's powerful. And that's one thing I love about what you've done as a father is there's always an invitation into those things in as much capacity as their hearts want it. Yeah. If, if you're reading the scriptures regularly on a daily basis there's an invitation hey come read the scriptures with me if you're praying and you have a daily rhythm of prayer there's an invitation come pray with me uh, and there's invitations all throughout your spiritual life and I, I love what you said is it real to you is it actually real to you are you doing these things or are you mm-hmm. trying to make your kids do these things because you think it's a mm-hmm. good idea for their future or because god says yeah. to do it but is your faith real to you mm-hmm. and I've been in youth groups before where, you know, I've, you know, been a part of being a youth leader. And one thing I notice a lot is the parents kind of expect to, their kids to just be dropped off a youth group for an hour a week and that, you know, all their spirituality will be taken care of in that one hour a youth group. But I, I can testify to you right now that if that is your mentality, it's not going to last very long. For some kids it will but because they're unicorns. But for most kids, they have to see it at home. They have to see it with their mom and their dad practicing it daily. They have to see it be real uh, or it's not going to take root in their in their lives. And I, I've been able to see the difference. I can tell a kid that is at home and their parents are reading the scriptures with them. They're praying with them. They're, they're loving Jesus 
in the family versus a, a kid that doesn't get that at home. Um, so I'm just testifying on my experience that there is a tremendous difference if you take responsibility for your family, for your children, to begin showing them who Jesus is uh, and, and breaking through the awkward barrier. Maybe, maybe there's an awkward barrier of spirituality there that you're like, my, my kids, it's, it's just kind of awkward to talk about. Just start talking about it. Start introducing them to Jesus. Start reading the Bible where they can see it. Start praying where they can see it. Start doing things in connection with Jesus in your daily life so they can see that modeled for them. Because if it's modeled, then they know how to begin to practice it themselves. Uh, so that's just something that's been really big on my heart. And I was going to share, we have a friend named uh, Aubrey uh, who gives very practical wisdom on on how to begin to initiate leading your family and in spiritual conversation, to begin initiating conversation with God. And I was just going to read some of these examples so we can get really practical right here. Um, but he, he encourages... Uh, Whenever you have your family time set aside, maybe you do it before breakfast, or maybe you do it at dinner, or maybe you're, you are creating a healthy rhythm of engaging with God with your family, here's just some practical tools that you can put in your tool belt, and he recommends doing like three of these. Whenever you sit down, and again, it doesn't have to be regimented, or it doesn't have to be this you know super religious thing that you always do at this time in this specific way, in this specific manner, but here's some examples. Just simply one, number one, reading the Bible out loud. So picking a passage, reading the Bible out loud, maybe asking a question or two about it. Another one is a prayer journal. So very practically, getting out a, a notepad and writing down prayers that your kids need or friends that they have and keeping a log of a prayer journal and, and praying for those things consistently through the week. Uh, number three is scripture memory. So picking something, something simple like John 3.16 and teaching them to memorize the scripture and practicing it daily with them. Uh, he has another, some, some proclamations. So maybe you sit down together as a family and say, we want to create a proclamation together as a family that we want to begin to walk in and, and repeat over our lives. Uh, something like, you just repeat this over your kids maybe. You say, you're a, you're a courageous child of God. You walk in favor with God and man. Doors from the Lord open for you and God will bless all the works of your hands. And, and you can go on and on, but you start to speak these things over your kids on a daily basis. Um, number six is a grateful list. So sitting down and talking with the kids, what are you grateful for? Write down 10 things that you're grateful for in your life today. And we're going to talk about them and praise God for that. Number seven, worship together. If, if it's as simple as throwing on a, a YouTube song, uh, your favorite YouTube worship song, and singing that together in the morning. Um, number eight, telling them a story. Tell, tell your kids a story about a time that God changed your life or about a testimony that Jesus performed in your life or, or even a story in the scriptures that you love. Like, hey, have you ever heard the story of Lazarus? This is one of my favorite stories. Do you want, do you want to hear this story? And tell your kids a Jesus story. Tell, tell them something that, that Jesus did that you really love in the scriptures. Um, watch or listen some, to something. So maybe there's a, a great Bible project YouTube video that you want to that you want to have them watch or, or watch a chosen movie together watch a, um, a movie about Christ together uh, and then the last one he recommends is, is silence and stillness maybe probably one of the biggest things is just take your kids take your family and say we're gonna sit in the presence of God here for just two minutes and we're not gonna say anything we're not gonna look at anything just sit here and let's connect with God that's good um, and yeah, these are just some practical examples that I wanted to share that I'm actually starting to initiate with my family right now. 
Um, and I, I want to make sure to create that rhythm and, and get that rhythm set so that it's already established when I begin having my children and I've already got one. Um, but this is just something that I think is very super practical and very palatable for anybody out there to say, I want to start leading my, my family spiritually better. Here's some ways that you can start doing that today. Yeah. You know, something, Seth, I want to add to that, that it may not be just specific to the leading spiritually, but I read, I heard this because, you know, I do a lot of stuff in, um, in business related to like trying to fund the kingdom and end time harvest and all that. And I didn't get to do this with my children because I learned about it later. But something that I heard from a, a, a successful Christian businesswoman was that something that her father started doing with them when they were in their early years was was on a regular basis celebrating their failures. And I was like, that's interesting. And she began to talk about the first time her dad's like, so tell me about a time that you failed this week. And hmm. she was like, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say that because we spend so much time focused on what am I doing right? But what she learned through that process was the first few weeks she wasn't sure what to say, but then all of a sudden she came out in middle school and she would she remembers telling her dad one time like, well, I tried out for cheerleading and I didn't make the team. And dad was like, way to go. That's awesome. Like you took the risk to do that. And it did two things for her. One, it showed her that making the effort and failing was okay. Hmm. Right? And we know this, right? Why did Jesus come? Because we can't fulfill the law. We're going to make mistakes. You're going to screw up in your faith walk. You're, you're going to get angry at your kid at some point in the future. You're going to, you know, you're, you might likely have a fight with your wife. You're going like, to make those mistakes, and that applies to our spiritual walk, and it applies to life in general. And, and so um, they started this process of celebrating failures so that they would get used to the idea that when I make mistakes, mistakes are meant to be opportunities for me to learn and grow from. And instead of me like getting all ashamed of them, I look for the opportunity to succeed. And, and it, it created in her and her siblings, in this case, very successful relationships with the Lord and very successful relationships in business, both because they grew up understanding from that experience, I'm supposed to put myself out there. I'm supposed to take risks. Like how many people do you know that they feel like the Lord's telling them to do something, but they won't do it because they're afraid they'll fail? Mm. Yeah. They're afraid they're going to make a mistake and yep. God's not going to be happy with them, right? And I would just say, like, God's going to be more excited that you tried and failed than he is about you saying, sorry, God, I was too scared to trust you, <laughs> right? right? So, like, just we need, to wow. be, we need to encourage our children in that process to, like, you know, so what if, you, if your goal was to read an entire chapter of the Bible today and you only got two verses in before you fell asleep? Like, it's okay. Right. You read two verses today. You made the effort, right? Then we get to focus on what we accomplished and and recognize that failure is not a bad thing, but that failure is just falling short of what we wanted to accomplish, but we still accomplished something and we can learn and grow from it. So I just want to encourage that too, is in all those things you're doing is like, we should, we should do that with our children. We should celebrate failures on a regular basis, no matter what it is. Yeah. So. And all these principles... They also apply to spiritual children, do they not? 100, man, 100. <laughs> and what I mean by that, if, if you're unfamiliar with that term, is people that you are helping father or mother into a relationship with Christ. 
and that you are helping disciple and, mm-hmm. and teach and give wisdom about the ways of God and, and leading them into the heart of the Father, leading them into deep communion with the Holy Spirit, and you're teaching them the ways of God. Uh, these are all, every single one of them, are very practical applications as well for those people that you're discipling or for those people that God is calling you to come behind and just give wisdom and love and care and blessing and your gentleness and just begin to guide them into a relationship with God. And we don't, I used to operate in this idea that I'm just kind of going to push them into it and I don't really, my hands are kind of off and God's going to take care of it. But if you hear what I'm hearing throughout all this and what Justin's saying is he is intimately involved in his children's lives and to as much point as they will allow him to as much point as they want and the invitation is there with him you can come and be intimately involved as much as you want in my life and I'm zealous for it mm-hmm. and there's an there's also a principle here when we're discipling people to say will you invite people into your life into your nitty-gritty into your dirty, into your ugly, into your good, into your bad. We invite people into your homes. We invite people into every aspect of your life to father and mother them into a relationship with Christ so they can see it modeled for them. What does it look like for you in your life to have a relationship with God? Well, just like your children are going to watch you model your relationship with God, so are your spiritual children going to watch you model a life with God. So this is an invitation to step into fatherhood and motherhood spiritually here too. Um, and to begin parenting people to faith. Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful. And I, and I want to say this. If your idea of parenting people into faith, and, and I might get just a little bit righteously angered here, but if your idea is that you are supposed to manipulate and control someone to follow your rules or your, like to live the life or to do the things that you want them to do, and, and you're being demanding on them, then then I'm just going to encourage you that you probably are not in a position to be parenting people in the faith, right? Like, you, we've got to get to a place where our heart as parents in the faith is to help them achieve and go to the place that they're ready to go through encouragement and through championing them on without the manipulation, without the control, without trying to tell them what they're, they have to do or they're supposed to do. And so, um, um, so yeah, but there's a huge opportunity in the body of Christ. I'm speaking to, to a lot of you fathers out there and, and spiritual leaders that are wanting to parent like, because of broken relationships, I cannot even begin to share with you. Um, I don't even know if I fully understand the significance of some of the the things that have taken place in the spiritual, from physical acts of choosing to become somebody's like spiritual father in their life. Like there, there are people I know where the act of a a genuine, caring, no strings attached hug that they've never experienced from a from a father in their life how powerful something like that can be right and and so um in fact the other the other night i was really had this this great time um if and if she hears this and is listening she knows who i'm talking about we love her to death i'm not going to say her name but but one of the young women that that we've been parenting had come to the house was talking to us and the rest of my children were actually out for the night 
and my wife and I were watching a movie and she had some questions and we talked for a little bit and you know she's in her mid-20s but then we were like hey you want to watch a movie with mom and I like we're going to finish the last 30 minutes of this we had some popcorn and literally just opened it up to like where do you want to sit and never in her life had she had the opportunity to do this but she just wanted to go sit on the couch right between mom and dad and enjoy popcorn and so like the three of us like you know, sat on the couch right right next to each other watching this movie and like how restorative that was because like that's not something that she ever had the chance of, ex- of experiencing in her life. Um, and so, hmm. you know, what, is that, what does that look like in our lives to be able to even do something so simple to bring restoration yeah. and, and reconnection with the Lord? And so there's so many opportunities like that, but we've got to be willing to, to lay our lives down and be those fathers and be those mothers. And so sometimes you have to ask yourself the question, if my, if my blood child called me with this situation, how would I respond? What would I do? And if you're really serious about fathering someone, you gotta, you gotta do that. I, you know, another situation, we had a young person that they uh, had gotten into a, uh, an, an accident, didn't even know what to do. And they're not my blood child, and yet I've got this relationship. Like, we've talked about, I'm going to be your father in the faith, right? I'm your father through Christ Jesus. Paul even talks about this, right? And so I had meetings to go to, but it's okay. I literally called my meetings, was like, hey, one of my kids just had a car accident. I I can't make the meeting. I've got to go. And drove straight to where that person was, met them in the middle of their, I don't know what to do with this stuff, take them to help get a rental car, help them call their insurance, like practical life stuff. But it's amazing and it's powerful to be able to see that even practical life stuff of being a father or mother in their life, like being in their their life, how impactful that is in the spiritual. Because what we don't recognize is happening behind the scenes is that restoration of the connection in the physical is opening their heart to be able to connect with God in the spiritual, Wow! right? And it can really bring restoration there. And so it can just be as simple as like being genuine, yeah. right? So being like a genuine, real father in, in, in a very physical, practical sense with, with folks in our lives. Sometimes we, we over-spiritualize it. It's like, well, if I'm your spiritual father, like it's, <laughs> it's all about like what I give you from the scriptures and like what I give Whoa. you a spiritual sense. But, but if you're really being a father, like yeah. be a father, right? What does that look like? And it shouldn't look different. I should be able to, I should be able to move past like, well, this is my blood child and you're just a spiritual child. If you're thinking that way, you probably shouldn't be fathering either, right? Like, Whoa. like, you, you, like, <laughs> yeah. If God, I mean, let me just say it this way: If God has the capacity to adopt me into His family and treat me the same as His son or same as the Jewish people in that instance, and I intend to be like Him, I better have the capacity to completely bring someone in and treat them like they're my very own kid. Otherwise, yeah. Using Jesus's words, and I know this is gonna this is gonna sound harsh, but those that don't forgive don't get forgiven, or by the measure that you you know like the, the way that we do it, that's how we'll be treated. If we can't love and spiritually father other people the way we would our very own kids, maybe we shouldn't expect God to father us as adopted children the way that He would His own Son. Whoa, man, that's deep. So, 
if you're going to father someone, man, take them on as your kid and really care about them. Amen. <laughs> well, this you'll be shocked really at how powerful it is. You'll be shocked <laughs> at what it can really do in their lives. This is really good. Um, as we're wrapping up here on this podcast, I, I feel like we need to speak to those, just for a moment, all three of us, we need to speak to those that don't have a father or that don't, I'm talking about earthly father. They haven't had a good experience with an earthly father um, or mother. Those that do say, I struggle to relate with God as father because my father was never there. My father wasn't even a good father. He, he showed up every now and then, but he wasn't there. Um, what? Let's start with you, Justin. What would you say to that person for them to begin engaging with God as Father in a healthy way, what is something that they could begin doing to say, okay, I don't have an earthly father right now. I don't have a good one. How do I start to see the Lord Jesus, God the Father, as my Father and begin engaging in that type of relationship with Him? Number one, stop blaming your father. He made mistakes. But, but bitterness is like drinking poison, hoping somebody else gets sick. It will not make you any healthier. It's not going to help you get better with the Lord. It's not going to help you develop. What the, the, whatever your father did in your life, whether it was abuse or absentness or, you know, um, uh, or, or performance mentality or control or whatever it was, whatever it was, those were his failures, and it's okay that he had those failures. We're not into the game of who we should blame. Now we're in the game of just acknowledging why we are where we are at and how we move forward. So you just begin to forgive your father and let the healing take place in your heart for that, right? Mm-hmm. Start with that. Then begin to look to God and just be real open with the Lord and saying, God, I, I, I recognize that these things happened. And you don't even got to say because of my dad or because of this stuff, but just say the things that I learned through my father relationship have have just distorted my ability to relate to you and begin to ask the Lord for that healing and restoration. Begin to ask the Lord to supernaturally show you how to how to heal that in your own life. Yeah. And he might do that through the, the birth of your own children. He might do that by having you get involved in fathering other folks. He might bring people into your life, and it will probably be some combination of those. But as you begin to pray for that, like look for the Lord to then begin doing that restoration and bringing those opportunities, and and just begin to change the way that you think about that father relationship and how it works. Um, and if you want it, like ask the Lord to bring fathers into your life, like actual fathers who understand healthy fatherhood and can father you through that stuff um, and, and, and like bring healing and restoration to that. Um, but those would be my three things that, mm-hmm. as, the, as kind of the big things as a place to start. Yeah. Yeah. You got anything on that, Carl? Whew. Yeah, to just, to just be honest, like I'm getting rocked over here. <laughs> the, the reason I don't have a whole lot to, to say is because the Lord is just depositing a whole lot um, into me. And I think many, 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 many people listening to this as well. And I just realized I'm going to listen to this podcast multiple times. <laughs> uh, perhaps on repeat. 
But one of the things that I'm personally realizing is that um, I'm thinking back to what Justin was sharing about how this is eternal life to know him. And I was reflecting earlier, just as, as we were talking, just how that's literally all of our journey as sons. We're all just sons learning more about our father, getting to know him. And then we're able to reflect that. Like Justin, Justin, man, you, you shared so many practically um, beneficial points and just huge nuggets of practically applying the father's heart to our lives as his sons. And, um, it's so interesting. So often when, when I talk to, talk to God, I address him as father and I, I do have a deep longing in my heart to be a father. And one of the things that I am reflecting on currently and thanking the Lord for is that he's teaching me to be his son so that I can be a father that reflects him for his name's sake. He leads and guides us. And I'm so thankful that he has um, saved that for me for um, a time when I was ready, you know, and he's still preparing my heart for that. And I'm grateful for that. And anyway, man, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot to add. I am reflecting a ton right now on everything that's been discussed. And thank you for sharing what you shared. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing I, I would even add on is read the scriptures and especially watch how Jesus engages with the Father. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But watch how Jesus addresses the Father. Even you could start somewhere in John 17. Watch how Jesus prays to the Father. Or even uh, the story of Lazarus in John 11. How Jesus engages with the Father. How he relies on the Father. How he even escapes the crowd to go and be with the Father. Mm. And how the Father was, <laughs> he was so intimately connected to him. And he gives us the perfect example and model of how to relate to God as Father. And if you've been avoiding God as Father, if you've just been, yep, I'm going to focus on Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but the Father I'm not going to touch. There is a triune. We have a triune God for a reason. <laughs> do not neglect his fatherhood for he will come into your life in that way and change everything and believe that have faith in it it's connected to last week too have faith that your idea of god as father can be restored and can be lived in a healthy way that will bring enrichment joy and peace to your life in ways unspeakable, in ways that you never thought possible. And go on from today after listening to this podcast and begin enjoying it and just relishing in His love and in the Father's love for you. Uh, but as we end, Justin, would you pray a Father's blessing just thinking over that, us That's and over so everyone? <laughs> yeah, let's let's do that. Just um, whether you are... Uh, have wounds from your father and you struggle with that relationship or whether you're a father trying to learn how to be a good father right now let's just pray together over that so lord we just we thank you that you are our father we thank you that you have chosen that relationship um, and that connection to demonstrate to us the way that you love us and the way you want to relate to us the way that you want to share all things with us and that you want to give us the good 
of your kingdom and your your goodness and what you have and make it ours. For we know that, that even in the relationships of father and sons, that everything that the father has is ours. And so we just thank you for that. I pray this morning, first father, for those people that have been listening to this and they're recognizing their own hurts. They're recognizing their own um, breakdown and understanding that relationship because of hurts that they've experienced. I pray right now, Lord, that you would just begin to minister to their heart, that you would begin to bring restoration in their heart, and that you would begin to just um, repair places in their mind where they have a breakdown in understanding the role of a father in their life, or how a father is their champion and gets behind them and wants to know them and be in relationship. And whether they grew up with performance mentality or, or absenteeism or abusiveness, we just break that right now in the name of Jesus, and I just declare healing over their hearts that you would begin to just show them your love, bring connections into their life to help them experience the true love of a father, the true uh, support and, and encouragement and empowerment that a father brings into their life. Bring those relationships and just bring that restoration bring that healing into their lives. And Lord, I pray right now over all of those that are young and old, that are called by you to be fathers, that are called to be fathers in the physical, that are called to be fathers in the spiritual. Lord, I pray right now that you would begin to uh, give them a heart after you, a heart to know your heart, the Father's heart, that they would know your heart, Lord, and, and that they would begin to shepherd their children and raise their children spiritually or physically with the heart of a father, your heart, Lord, and that they wouldn't find themselves living in a place of, of performance or manipulation, that they would see the importance of making themselves available and, and taking the time to put stuff aside in care, and that, Lord, that you would keep them from falling into to rhythms of abusiveness uh, where they're causing harm, but that, Lord, that you would, that you would redeem the father relationship right now in the body of Christ and in this world as the enemy has an onslaught against the father relationship and is trying to destroy it through broken homes, through broken relationships, through the movements and the homosexuality and, and trying to just undermine everything that's going on with what a father is meant to be in the uniqueness of that relationship and the mother's relationship and, and the, the fact that there are such critical roles that each plays. That as the enemy brings attacks against that, I pray that you would just raise up generations of fathers right now in the physical and in the spiritual to be able to restore that and bring restoration and reconciliation to what it looks like to father people the way that you father and father people with your heart with your heart and i pray as people are faithful to that lord that you would bring a blessing and an abundance in their life of many many children many, many restorations and relationships that are healed, that are strengthened, that in the end, that there would be this deep connection within the body of Christ to knowing you, our Father, that we could connect with you. I thank you for the healing and for the restoration that you are bringing. I thank you for every life right now being touched as we have this conversation and as they respond to you. Work in their hearts, Lord. Be their Father and let them know you as a father in ways that they never have. In Jesus' name, amen.